0: Once again, you already know what it is, and you already know what you have reached. This is the number one up-and-coming professional wrestling and combat sports podcast anywhere in the world. This is Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast. What up, though? I'm your host, Sean Hubbard. It is August 19, 2019, and we're hitting you with another tremendous episode this time, another retro review edition of the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast. Before I introduce you to our guest, I want to make sure you guys understand that the only way to project yourself on the internet in the best possible light as it pertains to your business is through hasprayer.com. Big shout out to my good friend Alex over there and their tremendous team, making sure they give you the best when it comes to web development and web platforming. Hasprayer.com is gonna make sure that you represent your business in the best possible light, so that you can get those business deals, get those situations handled the way it's supposed to be done. So that's H A A S C R E A .dot com, because we love tech. Yeah, it is
1: crazy right now. I am so excited to be with you guys for another edition of the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast, man. It is August 19th. The summer is almost over. I can't believe it, man. It's almost back to school season for all the parents out there. You know what I'm saying? We're making sure that the kids are all squared away getting their books and stuff for school, their new outfits for school. Man, I'm, I'm just really excited about this time of year. Football is almost back. And as always, combat sport is year Round and I'm so excited about everything that's going on. SummerSlam has recently ended. That's for WWE NXT's recently ended. That pay-per-view was absolutely outstanding for takeover in Toronto. Now we also had Ring of Honor, uh Super, uh Supercard, Summer Super card that took place in Toronto last week. It's been a tremendous, tremendous week, a tremendous, tremendous time. In pro wrestling, big shout out to my good friend Conrad of Everything Pro Wrestling. He was my guest last Hubbard Wrestling Weekly podcast as we discussed in great detail WrestleMania 9 Hulk Hogan and Beefcake versus the I guess you call it the Million Dollar Corporation. They called themselves Money Inc. back in the day. Uh, And we got into a really deep conversation about Hogan and his career and his legacy, both in and outside of the ring. Uh, The main event, Yokozuna and Bret Hart, was a tremendous show. And now we're moving on to another tremendous show with another big-time guest. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest is the host of Ringside Rant. They are doing some tremendous things over there. They can be heard on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And I'm so happy to have one of its providers here on the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast to discuss one of the Most important pay-per-views in history, y'all. I'm talking about WWE's 1998 Super Bowl show. And I'm talking about WrestleMania 14 from the Boston Garden. I believe it was the Fleet Center. Yes, the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts back in 1998. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels with Mike Tyson as the special enforcer. So once again, introducing our special guest right here tonight. August 19, 2019, ladies and gentlemen, of the ringside red. I introduce you to my good friend, RJ. Welcome to the show, my dude. Well, thanks for having me. Definitely a pleasure
2: to be here and talk about uh, some retro wrestling, some WrestleManias, and especially 14 here. Like you said, it's a uh, definitely a game changer. Probably about, a couple, about two, three matches down here. Definitely cha- changed the history of the
1: wrestling business. That's right, man. So like I said, man, we're so happy to have you on the show, man. Um, heard your stuff. Very talented guy. We appreciate you, dog.
2: Any, anytime, man. Always willing to come on and uh, wherever uh, wherever I'm needed.
1: <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt. We wanted to definitely share your expertise with the world. I have a lot of uh, passionate views about this pay-per-view, uh, as I'm sure you do. So we're going to jump right into mm-hmm. it, man. Uh, Boston, Massachusetts, the Fleet Center, 19,028 people. The date is March 29, 1998, Uh, the show was X-rated, whatever that means, I don't know, but I think we'll get into it a little bit, because obviously that's a play on DX, but um, X-rated, the first X-rated pay-per-view in history, I guess, but uh, more importantly than that, a historically significant pay-per-view with a historically significant main event. Wow. Uh, just talk about, real quick, before we get into the parameters of the show, because uh, obviously we're going to break down Austin, Michaels, uh, Tyson, etc., but before we get into like the pay-per-view itself, in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania 14, how did you feel about the build-up? How did you feel about Austin winning the Rumble? How did you feel about Tyson joining DX? Give us a little bit of a synopsis of how you felt in the days, weeks, and months leading up to WrestleMania 14.
2: Well, anybody, obviously, they grew up in this
1: time frame. I
2: was 14 at this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a huge, huge Austin mark. Uh, Still am to this day, uh, going back and watching the old stuff of his um, on the network, obviously, like I'm sure a lot of people. Uh, But the build-up for Austin, you can kind of see the workings um, going on, starting at the Royal Rumble, like you mentioned, with him winning it. Uh, You know, they're strapping the rocket to him. They really are. And, uh, you know... At this time, a lot of people were, you know, questioning Michaels, whether it be um, some of the workers or the boys that backstage or some of the fans, you know, just questioning his heart, questioning where he was mentally, physically. Um, actually, we knew where he was physically going into it, obviously with his uh, health issues. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, the build for this was absolutely phenomenal. They did it the right way. Uh Going back and watching it now, 2019, and going back and watching it, you know, it's like, okay, it's great, but you know, it's obviously not comparable to today. But uh, you know, back in that wheelhouse in '98 to about you know 01, 02, you know, Austin was the man. You can you can you know put a lot of people in the same category, but you know, Austin was head and shoulders uh, above them. I think.
1: Most definitely. I think so as well. Austin was clearly the number one guy, not only in WWE, but the number one guy in the business. And kudos to WWE for being able to promote an event to this level without one of their guys being able to work. I mean, uh, for those of us who remember, you say you were 14. I was 12, so we're in the same ballpark. Um, Mm -hmm. Austin was obviously, you know running like a hot knife through butter through all the competition but Shawn Michaels as the world champion since his accident at the uh, Royal Rumble the infamous off the casket situation that took him out of the game uh, they replaced him at no way out in the eight-man tag they replaced I mean he bit, he never I don't think he wrestled another match from the Royal Rumble it was all promo it was all running but it was so good it's almost like we missed the fact that, that Michaels was hurt
2: Mm-hmm. And then, even I'm sure we might get into this later on, but I might as well, you know, get that sure. uh, little peek behind the curtain right off the bat. But mm. uh, after this, after this WrestleMania, we didn't see him for another, uh, what is it, another two or three years,
1: exactly. Uh,
2: and we all know what ended up happening that at Summerslam with him and, uh, and Triple H. But um, obviously, that'll be a different conversation for a different time. But uh, you know, this card. You know, before we got on, I we said that you know it's you get a lot of this time. It's either a really good match or it's a really bad match, and there's really no in between uh, at this time, especially in the WWF at that time, mm-hmm. uh, you can argue WCW was red hot too, but you know, I just I'm sure you as well as up in the Northeast growing up, it's. Uh, you know, you grew up a WWF fan, you know. And, Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, I was fortunate to see WCW because I had the fortune of having one of those big old ginormous six-foot satellite dishes. Nice. In, my, in nice. my backyard so I could turn into TNT every Monday right. in Raw and USA at that time and watch it. But, you know, push comes to shove, I'll always be a WWE guy. Push comes to shove no matter what's out there today in the past. Uh, but uh,
1: always, always don't mind going back and watching some old school stuff. Well, well said, my dude. Let's jump into this thing, man. Like I said, it's 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 a historically significant pay per view. Um, first time I recall there being a pay per view that was, I guess you could say, uh, themed. I mean, the Mega Powers mm-hmm. explode in at WrestleMania Five, the Ultimate Challenge WrestleMania Six. But like for an entire pay per view, it was X rated, and obviously that's a play on the fact that. Degeneration X was arguably the biggest team in the industry, maybe besides the NWO, and um, it was it was big. So we jump into this pay per view right off the bat, and we're talking about a tag team battle royal that would determine the number one contender for the world tag team championship. Teams like the New Midnight Express were a part of it. The Nation of Domination were a part of it. Uh, There were several teams, but the most intriguing of the teams were the Legion of Doom, or as they were known on this night as LOD 2000. They had been on a little bit of a sabbatical, um, playing on some real-life struggles that Hawk had with alcoholism. They kind of met, put it into the storyline. Hawk and Animal were on the outs, and then they make their triumphant return at WrestleMania 14 with a certain young lady in their corner. Talk about it. Oh, God. Uh, Well, at this time, if you were 12,
2: I was 14. Yep. uh, To quote another show, Sonny was all the way live. Yes. (laughs) um, At this time, and if you say you weren't infatuated with Sonny, in your teenage years, you are full of it. You're a liar. Uh, That's right. You're a liar. And especially at this, it's like I ended up watching it uh, yesterday to prep up for this show. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, nobody's home, and I'm like, oh my God, what, you know, how, how, how much have the, the uh, good looking have fallen?
1: Right, how, the, how the mighty have Because she was off the rails, and now I don't even know, bro. She's even more well. Man, keep this PG.
2: She's yeah. We'll just yeah. <laughs> we'll just, <laughs> I will keep it PG for this point because I had a comment. Well, I think everybody knows where I'm going to be going. With that, I do. But, I do. Uh, I do. <laughs> but but you did. I have to say one other tag team that was in this that a lot of people overlooked, and then I am a fan of, and they're still wrestling to the day is the Rock and Roll Express. Yes. Uh, yes. And. Like I said before, growing up a big WWE WWF fan, I never got to see, you know, the Rock and Roll Express live. Mm-hmm. Now in my older years, older now, but I go back and watch it now. Uh, I watched it, you know, uh, what, when the network started, right? And I'm like, oh, Robbie, and uh, uh, it's just unbelievable to see him going at this time. I just think, you know, what if, you know, they would have gotten, you know, that push in the WWF uh, that they deserve because obviously now they're WWE Hall of Famers uh, you know, you get the tag teams like the Midnight New Midnight Express it's like, oh god you, you think if you put new in front of something, it's going to be better and it was absolutely the complete opposite complete opposite with, what is it, bodacious Bob and uh, whatever Bart b- Gunn was b- that's b- that's bombastic Bart I don't even, it doesn't even matter, (laughs) you know, if you give, I never understood when you put like new Midnight Express, new Rock and Roll Express, you put something new in front of it, it doesn't make it good people, you know, and, you know, you see even nowadays where, you know, they try to, you know, rekindle the old flames from uh, wrestling's past. Uh, Whether well, it means bringing back other uh, superstars or whatever, but I, I thought that they battle. first of all, battle royals thing. I'll okay. say that first off.
1: Gotcha. And
2: to have a W era tag team, number one contenders, battle royal is even worse because it, it was and it is a cluster amongst clusters. Have a you know, worst case scenario, have a triple threat, uh, fatal four-way tag team, number one contenders, Match. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, Because you could very well have – you could still have LOD 2000. You could still have the new Midnights. You could have Rock and Roll. You could have, you know, I think was it the uh, the, – not the Black Jacks. uh, 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 Headbangers were in there. Yes, yes. You know, the new Black Jacks were in there. So it's like you still have those teams in there that you could very well – you know, fill this card. Have two tag team match number one contenders, and then face them off later in. But you know, I I grew up a huge tag team fan, and this was not this was far from my favorite match on the card. I got the point of it. You know, LODs coming back, they want nostalgic pop form, and they got it. You know, you know, obviously the majority of the males there were there for Sonny, but that's regardless, <laughs> at this time, but uh, yeah, I just it. it I got the point of it. It just didn't do anything for me.
1: How would you feel about the play on the real-life, uh, real-life-based storyline of, of Hawk going through what he went through? Obviously, it would, all, it would all be to lead to this triumphant return at WrestleMania mm-hmm. 14, but uh, how would you feel? A little bit over the top. I thought it was a little bit too much. I think it was a little too much. I
2: think, you know, they're trying to play, you know, kind of old school.
0: Mm-hmm. If
2: you go back to, uh, you know, the Crockett days, or the nwa days that's you know they played on the emotions of the real life situations and tribulations Mm -hmm. of these guys or gals whatever uh and you know you got to also take into account it's 1998 they want to be as edgy as possible they're in competition with wcw and ecw because i don't think ecw uh closed at this point i think they still had a couple years but yeah they were still uh,
1: they were still running at least yeah
2: yeah so,
1: they had, they had competition there.
2: So, they had to be a little over time. I got it. I didn't like it, like I said, but I got why they did it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was grew up a LOD fan, a Road Warriors. I was more of a demolition guy, personally. Me, too. But, uh, uh, Me too. you know, I never understood it to, you know, growing up, I was more LOD than demolition. But now that, like I said, I'm older me possibly a little wiser some people may argue that but uh more of a demolition guy now because i go back and look at that they actually you know bing bing boom they could actually wrestle with lod they go in have a you know beat the tar out of uh, their opponents and then get out you know lod in the wwf was i didn't think was good if you go back and watch you know nwa's uh nwa or wcw days uh they were better there as a world warriors but uh but yeah i just you know it it is what it was and you know you tend to play the what if game what if you know lod wasn't there what would have happened uh and i think you know obviously we'll get to it later in the card but i think they uh there wasn't really a better option to (laughs) to have the number one contenders not be
1: lod no that's a fact that's a fact um Lod was was not what it was in their WCW days as part of WWE, um, you know, and I, I did not like the repackaging as far as LOD 2000 was concerned. But it is what it is. They just pulled something out of the hat and hope that adding Sunny to the mix. Hey, when in doubt, just add Sunny. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like you know, everything's better with bacon. Everything's better with Sunny in 1998. But Um. Yeah. So, but anyway, the LOD win the battle royal, last eliminating the the Midnight Express, the new Midnight Express, bodacious bark and bubastic bark. That makes me want to throw up every time I say it. Um. (laughs) But it does lead to a tag team title shot. LOD would eventually become the world tag team champions again. I I don't think they were successful in that match at Unforgiven, but they ended up beating the Godwins on Raw. Uh, Their careers were on the line or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my time frame is off. No I think my time frame is 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 fairly correct, but either way they would eventually become tag team champions again But it would fizzle quickly and, and, and it would eventually be over with and done But this was a good night for LOD. They were successful in the tag team battle royal, so we move on in the card and RJ you mentioned WCW quite appropriately And I think this match had WCW written all over it. And what I mean by that is uh, ECW and WCW, as a matter of fact, because in those days, the Lucha Libre, you know, cruiserweight style was really becoming a major deal in the industry. WCW would run two or three matches, cruiserweights, to open up their pay-per-views, and it would get the crowds so fired up by the time the NWO or a Goldberg would come out They were already, like, so fired up, and the pay-per-view would be super fire for, like, the whole time because of the standards that were set by the Cruiserweights. So Vince McMahon and the powers that be in WWE decided that they want to create the light heavyweight division. And the WWE's first light heavyweight champion is Taka Michinoku. On this night, he would defend the light heavyweight championship against Aguilar um, it's a forgettable match, but it is what it is. How do you feel about it?
2: You put this type of match on this card at WrestleMania, it's going to be forget- forgotten. Oh. Excuse me, um, It shouldn't have because, you know, we're at that time, like we mentioned, with WCW basically putting the cruiserweights, um, top bill mm-hmm. as far as starting off the matches or starting off the pay-per-views hot, which I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously I would have preferred this to be your, uh, opener myself, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I digress at that point, but, uh, Taka Mishinuko, or Manuko, whatever, how how you say his name, but mm-hmm. I will say Taka. He's Maybe. still at it today in Japan, you know, and it goes to show you that, uh, you know, he's, he's doing something right, but at this time, I think he's very, very underrated for what he was doing. Right. I think they did book him correctly later on, mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, you throw him with Kyentine, keep him in the light heavyweight division. Keep him going with that because he could have very, I left out of my head. I don't remember how many reigns he had, but, uh, you know, he was that division. You know, a lot of the times you'll say, um, you know, Brian Christopher, Scott Taylor, whomever right. was that division. But at the end of the day, you always remember the first champion. Absolutely. Uh, and Taka was that guy, you know, and he still is that guy, obviously, going over with New Japan, but uh, like, like you said, it was a forgettable match, unfortunately. Uh, well, I don't think it was given the right amount of time right. uh, for what they could do, but like I said, but with WrestleMania 14, you know, you're not here to see the light heavyweight match, you're here to see the main event with Michaels and Austin, uh, so... You know, it was what it was. It served, like I said, each match on here served its per. Well, I should say every match served served its purpose. But mostly, uh, mostly. We'll, we'll get
1: into that soon enough, I'm sure. But uh, right.
2: but
1: yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So Tucker, Tucker uh retains the light heavyweight championship. Um, I like what you had to say because the match belt to belt wasn't that bad at all. It was just forgettable because of the the situation that was surrounding it. You had the return of LOD in match one. We're going to talk about the European title coming up next. And it was a night that was all about, you know, Undertaker and Kane, Austin and Michaels. Mike Tyson, for God's sake, like it was just a big night as far as the names were concerned. So Taka defending the light heavyweight title was not going to be high on people's priority list. But to WCW's credit, neither were their cruiserweight matches and somehow they made it work. So I think at the end of the day... Um, which we obviously, history would show, WWE would throw in the towel on the light heavyweight division until 205 Live 20 years later. Um, they realized they couldn't compete on that level, and they just stuck with what they knew and what they did well, which is why they ended up winning the Monday Night War. But Taka does retain, for the sake of this uh, talk that we're having right now, Taka does retain the light heavyweight championship against Aguila, which leads to our biggest or excuse me. One of our bigger, high-profile matches of the evening, uh, the uh, lieutenant, I guess you could say, or the sergeant to Shawn Michaels being the captain of DX, Triple H along with China, uh, on an X-rated, you know, once again DX-rated, X-rated pay-per-view. Uh, this is DX. This is his, this is his moment. DX actually uh, had a, their own band that night. They're playing Triple H to the ring. And uh, he is defending his newly won European Championship against Owen Hart, in, I think a very entertaining match, especially with the interjection of China and her interaction with Sergeant Slaughter. Talk about it, RJ. So you know, we see the build to this match was
2: absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, a lot of these matches outside maybe but. Two or three of them on this card had great build, had a great story to it. This was one of them that was good. Uh, we saw, you know, at this time, China was, you know, Triple H's manager, confidant, whatever you want to call her. Uh, and she interjects herself, got, her, got her, Triple H's European title. Uh, and, you know, she interjected herself, uh, taking out Owen. Uh, with his, I think it was his ankle or foot or whatever that was broken or string. What I can't remember the exact term that they used how to play it out. But you know he's having a walking boot on. Triple H is you know doing trying to do more damage to it on Raw. You know China comes down and you know beats him beats him with aluminum bat to the to the leg to you know continue to the story as far as he's got a, a, a you know bad wheel uh and then they say oh well you know china's gonna be handcuffed to sergeant slaughter
1: okay i get it uh it like, a great it's like, side it's, like, side it's story. like all right like i don't quite get it but we can roll with it
2: <laughs> well no but it just and i think i enjoyed it because right. it made triple h you know, be that snivelling little heel that he was the character wise. Right. Some some may argue in real life, but that's like I said, that's a different story. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. But, you know, you know, at this time, you know, big Owen Hart fan, huge Owen Hart, uh, Mark, uh you know, and Owen could have just like just like his brother Brett. You know, they could have matches with anybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody and have you know and have great matches uh, And this was you know one of those sneaky good matches on this card where you had the story behind it Like I said with China interjecting herself and then obviously commissioner or GM or whatever you want to call him sergeant slaughter uh, Injecting himself into it trying to make or, uh, maintain order with China obviously for those of you that have watched it knows what happens uh, but, you know, this was, it was a great story, you know, I wish that we would have seen a little bit more of it, but obviously we know the, uh, the end game of it, so.
1: Absolutely, um, Triple H would eventually hit, you know, uh, Owen Hart with a pedigree after China hit him with a low blow, China blinded Sarge with some salt, wink, wink, we all know it's always powder, but they always, for some reason, say it's salt, um, it was cool. It was entertaining. You know what I'm saying? The, you know, they played it off as Owen being limited because of the ankle injury that he suffered and losing the title on Raw. But it was cool. I liked it. I was a big Owen Hart fan as well. I thought Owen Hart should have been World Champion at least one time in his career. There's several others: Kurt Hennig, you know, Scott Hall. But you know, I digress. Um, Triple H did his job. He retained the title. It left the night being optional for it being a DX night. That was the deal. It's going to be a DX night. And Triple H did his part. Would uh, Shawn Michaels do his? History would show us uh, what would happen. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But for right now, Triple H is still the European heavyweight champion at WrestleMania 14. Now here we go. We're talking about star power. We're talking about trying to make somebody, you know, it, it, she's already over. But we're going we're gonna to push this thing to the hilt. The writing was on the wall. Mark Merrow was not as popular as sable and for obvious reasons again you being a 14 year old kid me being a 12 year old kid sable sunny same deal okay so at the end of the day sables blowing up like you couldn't even believe like she's the hottest thing on tv right now probably took sunny spot as the number one quote unquote diva in the business and She's outshining Mark Merrow, so they play up on that. By the way, Mark Marrow and Sable, uh, real life husband and wife at that time, and uh, they're going up against Gold Dust, the artist formerly known as Gold Dust, and Luna Vashon, who has had a personal issue with Sable over the past several months on television. This was fun, a little corny, but fun. Your thoughts? Next. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, talk about I, it.
2: You know, I I got the. Like I said, I get the point of it. I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it then. I don't enjoy it now. Okay. Um, you know, this very well could have been booked differently. It could have been a marrow gold dust one-on-one match with them on, on uh, uh, managing or them backstage or whatever. But There's the people, so many the different ways want, that this
1: could have been done. But the people wanted Sable, right?
2: Well, you could have given Sable, it's just not in the match. Okay. You know, have her run out, you know. We could be having being shown backstage brawling with Luna or whatever, but okay. or Luna brawling with Sable, whatever the case may be. But I just it could have been a lot better. Marrow and Goldust, they've worked before in WCW, uh, back in the early days of their careers. Gold dust wasn't you know, Goldust wasn't Gold Dust at this time, man. Uh, the it just personal issues probably came into it, obviously, but Uh, I just, you know, when they say, you know, when, when you see these two guys, the bell had to ring, the bell had to ring for this, unfortunately. (laughs) Right,
1: right, right. right. Uh, you know, and. You understand what I'm saying when I say it was fun, though?
2: Oh, no, 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 I get that. No, 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 I get that. Like I said, it proved the point. Right. It proved the purpose. I just didn't, you know, I care for it, you know, and that's why I'm. You know, I'm happy that you have the fast-forward button on uh, on the <laughs> network now. Where you can go past this to the next chapter or whatever you want to call it. Uh, because, you know, they had to put this somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there, Yeah, and it just, it, it got, obviously the matches got better after this one. But sure, sure. It, this, you know, like you said, you,
1: everybody's there for Sable. You know, the three other people are obsolete at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. For those who care, um, Merrow and Sable did win this match. Uh, Sable was was the one who got the victory over uh, over Luna with the, I believe it was the TKO. She stole Merrow's move, which would be like the crack in their foundation to their eventual breakup on, on TV um, coming down the pike. But Sable goes over, Mark Merrill gets the win. He celebrates like he won the title, as Jim Ross said. Head, which was pretty pretty darn funny. But um, for the record, Merrill and Sable are victorious. Now here we go. We're talking about 1998. We're talking about a new millennium on the horizon. And a guy who 20 years later is the highest paid actor in all of Hollywood. I'm talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. In these days, you can see the writing on the wall. You can see that this guy... He hadn't quite arrived yet. He's the Intercontinental Champion, but you can see that this guy is special. There's just something about him. He took over. Uh, he took over the Intercontinental Championship scene the following night. As history would show us, he would become the leader of the Nation of Domination and become and will be off to the races. But on this night, he would face a guy who I call Ken Scamrock. <laughs> Because I felt like Shamrock disappointed in his WWE career in every sense of the word. Um, and this is coming from somebody who's an MMA guy as well. I was an MMA kid. I'm an MMA man. I really was a fan of him and Dan Severn and all those guys back in the day. Just as I am right now with Daniel Cormier and John Jones. And, and I guess he's retired now. But um, Conor McGregor. But man... You got The Rock, Intercontinental Champion, arguably the most entertaining promo in the business, going up against real life, real tough guy, MMA superstar, Ken Shamrock. What a weird finish, weird everything. I mean, thank God for the people's elbow. That's the first time I think we saw it on pay-per-view. But other than that, I was so disappointed. I mean, Ken Shamrock beats the snap. Well, I'll I'll let you take it from here.
2: So we saw a great build to this, Uh, you know, the whole Farouk and Ron Simmons, whatever you want to call Mm him, angle with The Rock being the new quote-unquote leader of the nation. Uh, And Ken Shamrock, you know, he got over in this match. You know, a lot of people will say he didn't, but, you know, be it in that loose cannon that he character-wise will say... uh, It lived up to the anticipation. This was a great. I thought it was a good match. It served their purpose more than a lot of the other ones. Uh, You know, we saw Ron Simmons come down and try to help The Rock when Shamrock had him. You know, in the ankle lock or the crab or whatever the case was to try and submit or no, yeah, was the crab? Yes. Yeah, and you know, got up on the apron. He was going to grab him and then he jumped back down. So. We know what ended up happening with Ron Simmons and The Rock feuding, uh, but I just want to talk about Shamrock. I think Shamrock was one of the better crossover athletes that the WWF
0: no had. No way! Oh uh, my god! Uh,
2: just because of the character that he had, whether it was real life or not, you know, they got a year before this. We saw him at the submission match with uh, Hart, Bratton, and, uh, and Austin. Uh, you know, and I think he—I don't want to say underrated—but I think that a lot of people don't give him
1: the credit, um, credit for I'm what. Not saying,
2: I'm not saying that he's Hall of Fame worthy. No, no, I'm not. But...
1: I'm not I'm, I, I understand you're keeping it in perspective, but I need you to talk about this a little bit more. I need you to tell me what Ken Shamrock did that was so special. Like, I don't. I. I I'm a really honest, and, and, and I mean, I'm a student of this game, just like you are, bro, and like, Ken Shamrock did nothing for me, and a lot of people feel the way I feel, Ken Shamrock is very much looked at as a disappointment, from his challenging for the title in 97, to his challenging for the Intercontinental Championship in 98, his departure in 99, I mean, but please, go ahead.
2: You know, and I, and I see both sides of the coin, don't you get me wrong, right. but, you know, I compare, and I loosely compare this character that Shamrock's playing to the character of the Loose Cannon with Brian Tillman because mm-hmm. they're two whack jobs that will basically have the shortest temper ever mm-hmm. and just go off on you. And that type of character is one of those characters where you kind of go back and go, son of a gun, right. that was kind of cool, mm-hmm. but is it? Is he like really a psycho or is he really not? You know, Right. Uh, and those are those characters, especially this time, it's very character-driven, very off-the-wall things that they're doing. And Shamrock was, at this time, he was perfect for the WWF because of that. Because you had the crossover with the MMA, like we mentioned. The MMA wasn't the MMA that it is now, that it was in 98.
0: True, true.
2: Uh, so you get the fans jumping ship from the MMA over to the WWF, which, what, they, why they did it was to get those Shamrock fans to come over and see him. Um, he had feuds with, you know, Val He had feuds with The Rock. He had feuds with a lot of other people that he didn't have to be on. The Rock carried this match. I'll be honest with you. He carried this match. Yes, he did. And a lot of the matches that Shamrock was in, the other people helped him out a lot. Right. But. You have to give credit where credit is due. Shamrock was a character, you know. He played, you know, he 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 played that character very well in my eyes. You know, like I said, I am in the minority, and I understand that, and that's fine. And I'll be the first to admit it. But <laughs> right. uh, Shamrock, like I said, obviously, I, whether he's, I don't believe he's a Hall of Famer, but he should definitely be. Um,
1: he should be considered more than just alumni. He should be considered at least a legend.
2: Exactly. Okay. You know, and I just, because we saw, I believe it was on Twitter, that everybody's asking him, where was he for the Hall of Fame? Or not the Hall of Fame, excuse me, the reunion. And he goes back, No, oh, he wasn't asked about it. And I'm like, how do you not?
0: Right. You know,
2: regardless of that time, obviously this time is known as the Rocks time, Undertaker, Austin, Michaels, Triple H, Owen, Brett, whatever. Right. But like I said, I don't want to say underrated because I don't think that he was completely underrated. But he was very close to being underrated because of that character that he played. It's just like you don't know. He's there's that thin line in between: is it real or isn't it? Or is or isn't it? As far as the character goes, um, and you know, this wasn't the last time that we see that we'll see Rock in, in Ken Shamrock. So. Um, you know, they worked very well together. Rocks, like I said, Rock carried it. He really did. He sold it, bleed from the mouth, you know, whether it was the hardware or not.
0: Right. I, was, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> of course, of course.
2: But, you know, I just. I, I you know, at this time, I, I was an Austin fan. I was sort of a Rock fan. I just, I prefer Austin. Uh, I prefer those gritty guys, and Shamrock was one of the gritty guys that you know you don't want to meet in a meet in a dark
1: alley. <laughs> well, I, I definitely respect your opinion. In in, this, in the spirit of fairness, um, <laughs> no, no, for real. In the spirit of fairness, I like Shamrock in the Corporation, but mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. a there's a big factor in why uh, he was good in the Corporation. That's because he didn't have to talk.
2: Well, but do you, uh, that's why and I think that's why he was so successful in the Corporation because he didn't need. Excuse me people to to talk he didn't need to talk a la Brock Lesnar exactly why he has and Brock Lesnar was head and shoulders better than Ken Shamrock I'll say that Mm -hmm. but you can compare and contrast both of their characters and I may be out going on a limb here, but Brock Lesnar today is the Ken Shamrock of 1998
1: I see. Because
2: I see why you're saying that he had that background. They had the amateur wrestling, the jiu-jitsu, whatever that amateur esque background. Obviously mm-hmm. with Shamrock, and then we know Lesnar being the uh, the amateur athlete that he was. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know those psycho guys that you don't know if it's real or if it's not. Um, and you know the best thing that Shamrock did was in the corporation. Like I said, I'll agree with you on that.
1: There you go, there you go, well, I mean, we, we're, we're on the same page slightly, and on a, and not on the same page slightly, but at the end of the day, Ken Shamrock was, Ken, Ken Shamrock should be seen, I'll agree with you on the fact that he should be seen as just more than just a typical alumni, but as it pertains to this particular match, uh, The Rock carried it as far as in-ring competition was concerned, but as far as the, the outcome, Ken Shamrock basically beat the crap out of The Rock, um, belly-to-belly, belly, uh, my goodness! Uh, ankle lock and a tap out, and a new intercontinental, mm-hmm. intercontinental champion—or so we thought. Shamrock beats up the officials. Shamrock beats up the ringside attendants. He might have beat up a couple of fans. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I think he beat up. I think he beat up a couple referees. Man. A couple referees. Yeah. In actuality, he beat up the referees, but the referee reverses his decision, and the Rock remains the intercontinental champion. And I think this is a perfect microcosm of shamrock's career so good yet just couldn't find a way to get it done we know that history would tell us that he would be a a future intercontinental champion a future tag team champion but winning the king of the ring in 98 was supposed to be his launching point similar to billy gunn the following year and 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 quite frankly it just sometimes just it it doesn't work you know what i mean
2: no, I get
1: it, and it's just like, you can
2: compare, it's like, Ken, Shama- Ken Shamrock was a bridesmaid, never a bride, right. and you can say it's exact same thing about Billy Gunn, too, um, still going to this day, like Shamrock, but, you know, it, like you said, you always play that what if game, you know what I mean, no
1: doubt. and,
2: uh, yeah, Shamrock
1: was one of those guys that, uh, like I said, always a bridesmaid, never a bride, and yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, by the way, um, everybody who's listening, I appreciate each and every one of you. That Billy Gunn and Ken Shamrock comparison is what we call a segue. Because. <laughs>
0: because. What a segue.
1: I didn't even realize <laughs> that. <talking. laughs> hey, you uh, bit, A little bit of, of behind-the-scenes uh, radio talk for the people out there, man. We're trying, we're trying to teach the people some stuff. Right, RJ? Oh, yeah. No doubt. So we're moving forward in the card, and that same Billy Gunn would team up with his. Hall of Fame tag team partner, uh, the Road Dog Jesse James, and a team that I consider top ten easy in the history of the business. Um, they were they were so good. Um, they were just getting their feet under them as it pertains to this particular team. They had gotten together a couple months earlier, won a tag team championship, were defending that tag team championship against Cactus Jack and Chain Charlie, aka Terry Funk. Um, it's a dumpster match. Uh, the winner has to throw their opponent in a dumpster, I guess. So, whatever. Um, RJ, go ahead. Next. Ah, man, you feel that way about this, this one too.
2: I feel about that. And this is my thought process behind it. I'll agree with you 100% about the New Age Outlaws being top 10 tag from the ball time. Right. I get that. Mm-hmm. Totally booked the wrong way. Okay. Absolutely terrible here. Uh... Nothing against Terry Funk and Cact and Mick Foley. This would have been a great match about five years ago, prior to this. Gotcha. Back in 93, 94, when Cactus and Funk were in WCW, uh, they had matches, you know, with the Skyscrapers. They've had matches with... uh, uh, was he Vader? I believe Vader and a tag team partner back in the day. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Ken, uh, Kevin Sullivan. They had matches, tag team matches. That is when this should have happened. I never, I never got the dumpster match. I never did, and never will.
1: Um, neither, I neither will I. Easy. You're you're not alone.
2: I think it was easy way to get those psychos, that characters, that Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie were. Um, but they're totally booked the wrong way. New Age Outlaws were not your dumpster-matched hardcore guys, even though they would later be billed as hardcore champions. That's, like I said, that's a conversation for another time. Right. Uh, but I just there are a couple high spots in this, but that was about it. Uh, coming off the ladder into the dumpster with uh, Cactus and uh, and uh, Billy Gunn. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the bell had to ring.
1: No question, no question. And not only did they box the, the, the type of match, because it was a silly match to begin with, even though there were some good spots as you mentioned, um, it didn't show the New Age Outlaws in their potential glory that we would see later on. It didn't show Cactus Jack and Chainsaw in their former glory because they were somewhat over the hill. Even though Cactus A. K. A. McFoley were going to be world champion, like Cactus Jack's greatest days, or I should say Mick Foley's greatest days, were actually ahead of him, but, you know, Mankind, in a comedic role, I think was his biggest run in the business, as it Mm pertains to, like, the Rock and Sock kind of a deal. Um, and as you remember, in late 1998, when he eventually would become the WWE champion for the first time, he was starting to transition into that comedic mankind instead of that sadistic mankind that we had seen in '96 and '97. So, uh, a little bit of a dud in my opinion, especially with the finish, because this match would go down as I think I think officially it went down as a no contest because they put him in the wrong dumpster. And they ended up vacating the titles the following day. Am I right?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And it was just really. This is you could
2: have just thrown this match out.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and like I said, with the, with the first match we talked about with the number one contenders, who have a have the uh, Charlie and uh, Cactus in that match, you know. And have them face LOD or Midnight's or uh, Rock and Roll or whatever. Something, right? right. Something. I would have, honestly, I would have preferred to have Texas and Charlie go against uh, Midnight or not Midnight. Uh, rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. Have Rock and Roll face the New Age Outlaws for the uh, straps. You
1: Makes know, sense to me.
2: That's that. That's the type of nostalgic I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you know having you know uh, you know slaughtering a boot camp. Match against Triple H later on. Exactly. I'm not talking about that. You know. Exactly. I'm talking about legitimate wrestling. Uh, uh, you know, and that's
1: you know, if you wanted wrestling at this time, you were watching WCW. Most definitely, most definitely, w- WCW was number one at least ratings wise at this point. It would be actually a couple weeks later that they would lose their first battle um, on the Monday Night War after the 84 weeks, 86 weeks. I never get that number. 83. 83. See, I got it wrong twice. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, hey, that's
2: what, that's what I'm here for.
1: There you go. There you go. So they, you know, but that would be the first time the Austin versus McMahon, first time ever arm behind the, uh, arm tie behind the back on Raw, would be the first time that they would win the Monday Night War, and that would obviously turn the tide. But at this time, WCW was number one for reasons just like this. Nobody wanted to see all due respect to the Hall of Famers, Cactus Jack, all of them were Hall of Famers, Jack. Uh, Funk, Billy, and and Road Dogg, but at that this match just didn't didn't work for me. The best part of the night was uh, the Outlaws coming out with their uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kind of a deal that w- would eventually become their iconic calling card. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they they are the they're the new tag team champions for the moment. Um, Foley and, and and Funk, but the titles would get held up the following night. The Outlaws would win it back as they joined DX. And the new incarnation of DX would take form uh, the night after WrestleMania 14. But we're still at WrestleMania 14 right now for this the co-main event of the evening. I say that both because it was a second-to-last match and also because it really was the second-highest build match of the pay-per-view. Um, the Undertaker, the legend, um, versus, I guess you could say another legend. Kane, 20 years in the business... You're a legend, you know, so future Hall of Famer Kane, I'll, I'll put it out there. Uh, face each other for the mm-hmm. first time at WrestleMania. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the build-up for this was really, really good. I think any educated fan would know that the match could never stand up to the build-up. Um, just looking at the two guys and the way they move, the Undertaker obviously is phenomenal, no pun intended, but you knew that these big guys would might have a little bit of a clunker. It was better than I thought, didn't live up to the hype, but it was better than I thought. So, brother versus brother, Paul Bearer in his son's corner, we would find out later. Uh, kayfabe son's corner. Um, how would you feel about it?
2: You know, I think like you said, the build up to this outside of the Michaels and Austin match, who's probably the best built match on this card or built, I
1: mm-hmm. should say. Right.
2: Uh, we saw Pete Rose, future Hall of Famer, yep. or, the, or WWE Hall of Famer, anyways. Yep. One of the most hated, if not the hate most hated, baseball player of all time. In very a very, very hostile cool, Yeah, very cool Boston. promo out of
1: him. Very cool promo out of him.
2: Oh yeah, I yeah, for you know not being a worker, he cut one heck of a promo. Yes, sir. Um, obviously, we saw King, King come out and tombstone him, mm. and uh, that was that. But. Uh, as far as the match goes, uh, definitely lived up to my anticipation I had for this match. Obviously, we'd see it uh, probably, what, another four years later? Yes. Give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this was, like I said, the build to this match was absolutely phenomenal. Kane had his uh, quote-unquote father in his corner with Paul Bearer. Uh, you know, the one thing that I did like and have missed from this time was those hike videos that yes. they had before yes. showing where they've come, what they've done. Um, they they sold that, showed that first House of Cell match with Taker and uh, Michaels when Kane made his debut, ripped the cage door off, and took out his brother, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, some may say that this build was better than Austin and Michaels, Very close. I don't say it was better. I say it was very close. Yeah, it was comparable. Uh, No, no, you can compare and contrast. You could have the argument to (laughs) you. We're blue in the face, but, uh, you know, see and take, think or go over. This was, I think, you know, everybody says the biggest night in the business is obviously WrestleMania. The second biggest night is the night after WrestleMania. Yes, sir. This is when that happened. You know, we saw, you know, DX form officially. After this WrestleMania, we saw the New Age Outlaws form one of the greatest tag teams of all time after WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. We saw Austin as the the first reign as champion after this WrestleMania. So, you know, we start seeing that WWEF, whatever you want to call them, at this time turn that corner and become that force to reckon with in the wrestling business. Uh, because you know, as WWF's going up, WWE's going down um, at this time, uh, and you know, we start to
1: see that happening at this at this uh, this pay-per-view. Agreed, agreed. The Undertaker would win this match with three tombstones. I like how the pay-per-view or how the match was done in that aspect because three tombstones really seem like. It made Kane look, like, unbeatable. I mean, obviously, he lost the match. That's kind of like me double-talking. But what I mean by that is three tombstones. That was unheard of. All all it takes is one, typically. But for Kane's kayfabe little brother, it took three, which kept Kane strong. It would lead to the Inferno match. And it would lead to a really good career. Shout-out to Kane, man, because after, you know... Actually, Mayor, what's his name, Jacobs, I want to say his name is? Mayor Jacobs, right. uh, Knox County in Tennessee. There you go. So, you know, shout out to him for having a very unsuccessful run as, as the replacement for Diesel, an unsuccessful run is Isaac Yankum. They, <laughs> they made it work, man. Kane has been relevant in the business for 22 years. Like, people don't realize Kane has had one heck of a run i don't think he's officially retired yet obviously he's super 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 part-time right now haven't seen Mm -hmm. him in a while but he officially has not retired but you know shout out to kane but of course the undertaker uh mount rushmore of of wrestling without question you might give the nod to hogan you might give the nod to flair you might give the nod to michaels as far as being the best ever but the undertaker's definitely in the conversation and they semi-delivered awesome storyline about a seven and a half of the match and and that's all you can expect from these two huge guys you know people don't realize man and i'll ask your opinion on this as well the greatest match at least greatest built match of all time obviously not the greatest in-ring worked match but the greatest built match of all time was hogan and andre wrestlemania 3 that certainly wasn't a five-star classic so I understand the relevance of you know two big guys we're trying to make it work we're not gonna have too many hurricane Runners in this match but it worked for what it was right yeah
2: no I uh, you know you say the best build uh, I'm gonna strong well respectfully disagree as far as I I, get, I, I give respect to Andre and Ogan build but I still say one, one of the best if not the best build match of all time is WrestleMania 12 uh, Sean and Brett
0: uh, um, okay,
2: fair enough, fair enough. The Ironman Iron match, yeah, Like I said, there's so many matches out there that we could put in the same same uh, same category. True. Um, like I said, it's nothing against Andre or that nothing against that. It's your opinion, and right. I respect that. And, well, but um, but anyways, as far as this goes, um, the build was. We'll see this build for the next. Five years pretty much Right. Uh, and going even farther I'm surprised we didn't see Kane at the reunion show to be honest with you um, very true but uh, for Kane, one of the most underrated of all time i say. say uh, Preacher Hall of Famers both obviously with The Undertaker and Kane uh, and it, like I said it, it served this purpose, I wasn't a fan of the whole Inferno match after this I was, not, It is. It, you know, it, I got it, didn't like it, like I said, a lot of this stuff at this time, I got the point of it now, but, uh, yeah, it was It was
1: what it was. No doubt, man. So we move forward into the reason why, you know, everybody was in the Boston Garden that night, the Fleet Center, whatever you want to call it, um, the reason why I purchased this pay-per-view, shout out to my mom and dad who purchased this pay-per-view for me, I'm not going to lie, I didn't buy it, they bought it. Uh, And, uh, you know, it it was cool. Like First and foremost, Mike Tyson. The most controversial sports character, sports person in the industry right now um, at at, at that time. Um, Coming off his two losses to Amanda Holyfield, the second of which where he bit the air and got suspended. Um, You know, biggest name in combat sports at that time. Uh, Vince, in his wisdom, I've questioned many things and continue to question many things that he does. But back then, it seemed like every decision he made was at least somewhere in the ballpark of being right. Um, brings Mike Tyson in. Now, all of a sudden, WWE's on ESPN. WWE's on, on you know, the morning show on Channel 5. It's Well, Fox, I should say. Uh, on the, you know, Good Morning America. Or on ABC. All, I mean, every major network is talking about wrestling because of the the, in, the the insertion of Mike Tyson, which was completely brilliant on Vince McMahon's part. Again, many decisions he's made and will continue to make, I will question. But this one, I will not. You have the two best performers of this era, arguably, about to go head-to-head. Austin, the incumbent. Shawn, or, not the incumbent. Austin is the upstart, Shawn Michaels being the incumbent. And um, Shawn Michaels is hurt for... Somewhat of a novice 12-year-old kid, I didn't know Shawn Michaels was hurt. Looking back on it, it was obvious, as I said earlier, as an adult, you see that he wasn't wrestling at all, so you can see now why that's the case. But to me, as a 12-year-old kid, and I guess I would ask you as a 14-year-old kid, Shawn Michaels was the man. There's no reason to think he wasn't the man going into this match. So he's going up against Austin in arguably the biggest match to this point in history because it's about to be a shift in era uh talk about it so great build
2: one of the best builds of all time like you said before we're not getting into that everybody knows that uh Mike Tyson what this was that turning point in the business uh WWF WWC WCW whatever because when WCW sees WWF pulling in Mike Tyson what do they go out and do they pull in Jay Leno they pull in Dennis Rodman they pull in Cara Malone Mm -hmm. um Granted, not on the same level, obviously, my opinion. But uh, rumor and innuendo had it was that at this time they're thinking about bringing OJ in.
1: Yes, I heard that rumor.
2: And obviously, that was squashed very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tyson wasn't. You know, he wasn't a choir boy by any means.
1: But he wasn't. Um, a, but he wasn't an alleged. You know, whatever, whatever.
2: Yeah, exactly. That, like I said, that's yeah. <laughs> that, that's something for a different podcast. Exactly, but exactly. Uh, but uh, that this time period, this this match, you can argue a lot of other matches was the turning point of the business. I like to think that this was one of the, if not the, turning point of uh, the of the business in WWF. I'm not going to say it because it it uh, it made. Their competition think and do things that they normally wouldn't have done. Um, a lot current, current day with WWE and AEW. Uh, you know, AEW's force in their hand of uh, WWE to do something that they normally wouldn't do at this time. Um, but, you know, to talk about this match more is Mike Tyson was that face, literally, uh, that, you know, would go on ESPN, go on Good Morning America, go on Today Show, uh, go on Fox, whatever network they wanted to, they were on. Mm-hmm. This was the smartest, one of the smartest things that Vince McMahon ever has done for the WWF because, you know, when you say, WrestleMania 14, what do you think? Mike Tyson, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin. You don't think of anything else on this card, I guarantee you. Not at all. Uh, maybe outside of Undertaker Kane. Yeah. I'll give it that. Yeah. But that match, that's all that you think of. I had to go back and look at the card because I didn't, re- I didn't remember half the matches on this card outside, True. Of, True. outside of maybe... About three, about three, two or three matches. I right? remember,
1: to so your point. I remembered Austin Michaels, obviously. I remember Taker and Kane, and I remember Triple H and and, and Owen Hart.
2: I, yeah, but I remember the, the Rock uh, Rock champion, right. just because it was the IC title, and I was right. a huge uh, like I said, I was an IC title fan at this time too, right? Uh, because that there was a the quote unquote workers belt. Yes, um, but it, it, very arguably, you could say one of the two of the best workers of all time. I still say the best workers of all time are over in WCW with Bret Hart and Ric Flair, but like Th- I said. Fair no, enough, there, fair enough. Another <laughs> no, 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 no conversation for another time. But uh, right. uh, this was, like I said, that's the turning point. You know, we obviously we know what ends up happening. Austin winning first title, uh, you know, and uh, Tyson knocking out, quote, unquote, Shawn Michaels to kind of get him to go away for quite some time. Uh, to heal up mentally, physically, psychologically, whatever. And obviously we'd see him come back, uh, Michael Z is, uh, pretty much around the same time that Austin leaves. Yes. Iron, ironically, ironically enough.
1: Yes. If, as as fate would have it, yes.
2: Yeah. And it's weird to think of that way because, mm-hmm. you know, what if Austin would have been the other way around? What if Austin was hurt, went away, for two years came back we would would we have seen Austin in the same boat as Michaels coming back and working from 2002 to what was it 2011 another 10 years yeah or, he, he,
1: Michaels came back for what was supposed to be one match and it lasted about 10 years exactly it lasted a decade come back for another decade. what if what if, like I said turn that
2: coin turn that that around the other way. And have, you know, or have Michael's be in Austin's shoes and Austin in Michael's shoes. Right, right. You know, and it, and it's interesting to think of that way because that would have changed, not to say that business wouldn't have changed, but it would have changed it even more because we would have seen Austin even longer than we did. Exactly. Which, quite frank, and quite frankly, I would have <laughs> <laughs> rather seen that than Michael's, to be honest with you. And it's nothing against Sean. It really isn't. Uh, but you know, I was a bigger Austin, like I said, a bigger Austin fan at this
1: time. Well, I think anybody would have liked to have seen, I mean, I was a big HBK fan. I actually list HBK as the greatest wrestler of all time. Um, my criteria for that, and again, to use your words, which is accurate. Well, that's another conversation for another day, but, (laughs) um, you know, HBK for me is the most charismatic, the the best combination of charisma, in-ring ability, and overall, wrestling ackerman that's why i call him the greatest of all time but my point in saying that is austin was awesome and i think in a lot of ways we were blessed as wrestling fans to have him from 97 to 01 even though it seemed like it was a short time or 03 i should say because austin never recovered really from from SummerSlam 97 so no, no, you know no. it, it we're just fortunate we had him for the time we did
2: well, no, the, the, I think it was a combination of the Owen match that, uh, when he broke his neck
0: mm-hmm. on
2: top of the knee issues that he got later on, mm-hmm. uh, because I think if you even go back and you see his earlier days as a ringmaster, you could see, you know, his knee issues even then, so you mm-hmm. knew it wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna be around a while, uh, you know,
1: you know, a la like what Shawn Michaels did, coming back and all that stuff, but, uh, and to kind of further drive the point home, if you, I just want to interject this real quick. Um, Austin, like it just gives you got to give Austin so much credit because Austin's run was not really long. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, oh three, he was he was gone forever after WrestleMania, right? So mm-hmm. ninety seven WrestleMania thirteen, I think is when. That's when you say the Austin era really got you know a kick in the pants as far as okay we can see us hitching our wagon to this guy. Yeah, that's six years. Hogan was on top for thirty. H- <laughs> and and H- people H- talk H- about and, and, a, and, and people hard talk hard about hard. and people talk about Austin in the same breath and rightfully so as Hogan. Like it's 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 amazing. People talk about Austin in the same breath as Ric Flair and Ric Flair was on top for thirty five years. But you know you can put we'll, you put let's say we'll put Flair
2: in one. We'll do a three category, a three three column comparison. Flair's mm-hmm. in one. Hogan's in another. Austin's in another. Mm-hmm. Three totally different times. True. With Flair being, we'll say Flair from the 70s to the 80s was his was his wheel, wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Hogan was 80 to we'll say 96, mm-hmm. 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, obviously, Austin was you know ninety-seven to 0-2. Uh, three oh two. We'll say 0-2. Okay. Uh, but you have to take into account a with Austin is a lot more hardcore compared to the other two. A lot more chair shots. Mm-hmm. A lot more hardcore-ish matches compared to the Hogan and uh, Flair. Flair. Uh, true. Flair, you know, they didn't have they didn't have to travel as much as Austin did. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of wear and tear on the body. So, you know, it's a lot of comparing a good trend. And they really doesn't, you're not comparing apples to apples. True. Sure. Uh, and right, right, rightfully so, because I don't, you know, uh, shout out to uh, uh, Darren from Badland Podcast, his mm-hmm. uh, Mount Rushmore podcast, but um, the I never put Hogan on my Mount Rushmore. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I You know, just, it's, like I said, I, everybody grew up. I grew up a Hogan fan. Everybody did at that time. If you if you were raised in the eighties and early nineties, you were a Hogan fan by by default, yes, sir. By default, whether you wanted to or not, because that they were basically shoving Hogan down your throat the same way that they shoved uh, or uh, uh, Cena, Cena down your throat, the yep. same way they shoved Roman Reigns down your throat. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and you know, briefly, so it's nothing. They're playing those characters. They were great guys, but. Uh, you know, it was, to compare it is, I don't think it does adjust, mm-hmm. but you can compare the little things. But as a whole picture, it's, you know, a lot of factors go into
1: it. I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, look, I... As, as we as we get ready to wrap this, thing, wow, it's already been an hour. Like I'm, I was having so much fun. I didn't realize what the time was. It's awesome. There you go. But um, yeah, no, shout out to you, man. Like this, this has been an awesome show. But like, like on a, on a serious note, man. Like, as a wrestling historian, um, and you'll hear my passion. Um, obviously, you're hearing my passion right now, and you'll hear my passion. Uh, you know, you've heard my passion on my WrestleMania nine episode when Hogan came up in in that episode. I'm just really big on the people being satisfied in the right way. Um, whatever is best as a kid it's different as a kid you're you're 12 at this time I, I'm, I'm 12 at this time you're 14 at this time if you take it back you know' we're, I'm six you're eight We're kids okay but when you're an adult and you real and you become journalists like we've become, all of a sudden, everything changes. You look at it like, okay, we're fans, but we're educated fans. And there's a big difference. It's like, you want the people to have what they want, but you also want it to make make sense behind the scenes because you feel like the right people should get the shot. So Austin, at this time, got the shot that he deserved. Um, Michaels passed the torch in this instance the way he may not have if he was healthy. Let's think about that, too. Let's talk, let's think mm-hmm. about, you know, if Shawn Michaels were healthy, would it have been such a nice transition as it was? I mean, he didn't have the greatest history. You know, God bless him. He's a much-changed, much-different man 20 years later. But we're talking about 1998. Shawn wasn't the easiest guy to get along with. So, thank God that things worked out the way they did. Maybe it was just divine intervention that when Austin was, to your point earlier, when Austin was on his way up, Michaels was on his way out. When Michaels was on his way on, on to a second, historically significant second run, Austin was on his way out. Maybe that was the way it was supposed to be. Maybe that's how it was supposed to play out. That's, that was their destiny. Mm-hmm.
2: I, you know, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. Is I think if we didn't see uh, uh, Austin win at this WrestleMania, I don't think we would have seen... Uh, I don't think we would have seen that second run by Michaels. We wouldn't have gotten those classic matches. Probably two of the best matches of all time mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Michaels and Undertaker there at WrestleMania. I believe 25
1: 25 was the better one, yep.
2: Yeah, the first one that they had. Yep. Uh, I believe that was Orlando. Or no, yeah, Orlando. No,
0: no, no. Uh,
1: 25,
2: 25 was Texas. They were, oh, okay. And then the second one was at Orlando then. Second, one,
1: second one was in Phoenix. Okay, I'm I'm, thinking, I'm getting mixed up. It's okay. That was, it's a, listen, that,
2: that was Flair and uh, You Flair and, uh, Flair you've and, uh, saved Michaels.
1: me. You saved me four times during the show. I could at least have one.
2: <laughs> I'll allow
1: that. Baby. But uh, you
2: You know, it's interesting to look at it from that other side of the coin. If we didn't see, you know, if if Michaels wasn't in the condition that he was in '98 here. We would never see him in 2002. We wouldn't have seen the unsinged match with him and Mike or him and uh, Triple H at yes. SummerSlam. Yeah. We wouldn't have seen him winning uh, elimination. The first, I believe, it. was it the first elimination chamber he won the title? That's exactly right. Yeah, we wouldn't have seen the. We wouldn't have seen the elimination chamber. We I was there. I was there.
1: I was there live for that. That's very near and yeah. dear to my heart.
2: And and that was, you know, we wouldn't have seen all that. And you know, and I think. Uh, I think this was the right way to do it as painful as it is for me to do that because you know later on you know you see that you hear the history about Michaels later on but uh, you would you I would have changed changed it without a question to to Austin to see that second run of Austin but I know it wouldn't have I, I, I don't think it would have happened the way that it did for Michaels because of Austin's knees and his neck and uh, you know, he, we knew he was on board time after 97. So it's like, okay, I think this was the avenue that we ultimately thought that uh, would have been taken. Uh, you know, and obviously we know Michaels is with, uh, with uh, NXT now as an, or he, an agent, whether he's a head agent or not, I don't know. I don't mm. know the titles anyways, but right. I'm sure he is. But uh, and then we honestly, you can look at it this way, too. We wouldn't to see Triple H.
1: As big as he gotten, Triple because, H would have not had his chance uh, to ascend if, if Michaels didn't go off the scene.
2: Exactly because after this well, ninety nine two thousand, we would have seen Triple H become the cerebral assassin to uh, WrestleMania two thousand, uh, and you know become that dastardly heel that he was becoming to know. Uh, you know feuds with a lot of those. all titans Angle Rock Austin Jericho um, you know Undertaker Kane so we wouldn't have seen that Um, and then obviously with Michaels we wouldn't have seen that with the whole thing that happened like I said at uh, WrestleMania 20 or even at uh, uh, the SummerSlam so you know it's, it's fun to go back and sit down and you know write down that couple what ifs and you know just you know
1: Shoot shoot shop and talk shop about it, so. You know, I, I look at it like this, man. Like there's so many things looking back historically that I would have done different. But like you said, it all played out the way it was supposed to play out. That's how I look at it. That's what I said earlier as well. It was their destiny, it worked out the way it would. I, I've always said in the the eighties when the mega powers formed that they should have been tag team champions. Like I had this whole thing, but I'll just have a little fun with the people and you before we, we sign off for the show. Mm-hmm. Um I had Hogan and Macho winning the tag team championship, right? So the way I would have played it out, and, I, and this is all in the context of, hey, we wish we could have had things a certain way, but it probably worked out the way it should have. But I'll just run this by you mm-hmm. as, a, as an educated fan, right? Sure. 80, eight, late 87, the Mega Powers form. They skyrocket going into 88. All of a sudden... You have, now demolition ended up being the tag team champions at WrestleMania uh, WrestleMania Four. I would have I would have had it where somehow along the line maybe DiBiase and Andre beat Strike Force for the tag team titles. They win the tag team titles. Maybe not at WrestleMania because obviously they were both in the tournament, but at some point they beat Strike Force. Then they defend the tag team championship against. The Mega Powers at that SummerSlam match in '88, the Mega Powers win, and then the titles become vacant when they face each other at WrestleMania five and then Demolition would have had their run. How do you feel? That's just a little bit of fun I'm having with you. How do you feel that would have played out?
0: Uh, yeah,
1: that is
2: an interesting angle to look at it. Uh, you know, I always thought at that time, loved Macho everything he did. Uh, DiBiase, Hogan. At that time, 88, 89 was that. It was. A lot of the fans were. Okay, you can't. You know, I was four or five at that time. I don't remember half that stuff. Right. Obviously, at that point, going back
1: and watching it now, I. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking yeah, I'm talking about looking back in retrospect because uh, I was like two, but. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, looking back at it now, knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. um, obviously being hindsight, I would have. Like to see that happen, but play it out a little bit longer. Okay. And then have it culminate, not at WrestleMania 5, have something different happen at WrestleMania 5, like a tag team, like that. And then at WrestleMania 6, ah. you know, have the that match that Hogan – Savage match at six. Okay. Instead of the, the Warrior and Hogan match at Skydome for the title. Somehow, some way, get the title, heavyweight title on Hogan. Somehow, some way, get it on uh, IC title on Savage. Title for title, champion of champions. Have have, have Hogan even do. Uh, have Hogan turn heel then. Mmm. And have Savage be the face. Nice. Uh, and I believe that was
1: ninety. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: You know, so you know, but you know, being hindsight,
1: you can't really, you can't really know that. So, <laughs> but listen, you know, this, you know, this little brief uh, conversation we're having to wrap up this show shows me that we're smarter than anybody who's ever written storylines for WWE.
2: Well, yeah, but the problem is, we're not making millions of dollars doing it. So there that's you why, go. That's why we're here and they're there, so... You exactly. Know
1: what? Exactly. <laughs> but what you, know what? you never know what the future holds. Maybe one day. But listen, I want to thank you, man. This has been so much fun. RJ, I am not going to sign off this show without giving you an opportunity to plug your stuff. Please let the people know a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and where they can find you. Well, I
2: appreciate, it. I appreciate you giving me the time here, and then obviously for me to come on and you know and talk with you as well. But uh, yeah, you can find us at underscore ranking side, ran on Twitter. Uh, we come out every Tuesday, every once in a while, uh, we'll come out with a special episode, special interview, uh, on Thursday. Uh, you know, I've done that every once in a while. Also looking into doing some, uh, like I said, that what if scenarios with some, crea- uh, content creators, kind of talk shop a little bit. What if so-and-so did this, what if Sting did this or did that or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I'll uh, look for that coming out. Probably, you know, give it a little while. I still got a bunch of <laughs> interviews coming out in the next few weeks, so uh, that won't be for a while. Um, but yeah, hit us up. We're on across all your major uh, podcasting platforms. you go, ahead, give us a subscription, appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're also on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, we're at uh, facebook dot slash ringside rant. Uh, so, best way to get a hold of us is uh, uh, there on Facebook and then uh, on Twitter as well. So, appreciate uh, giving me the platform to come on and uh, definitely, definitely had some fun.
1: No doubt, man. We'll have, we'll do this again, man. But whether it's on your your show, my show, we'll figure out to do this again because this is a lot of fun. I want to remind all the people listening right now: make sure this show is going to air on the sixteenth, I believe. Make sure that you check. Hub wrestling That's H-U-B-B underscore wrestling for the contest that I have going on right now. Win your chance to watch StarCast the entire weekend of StarCast by following the instructions that I put out on Twitter. There's a couple of retweets you might have to do. Follow a couple people. Uh, follow Ringside Rant. You never know. Just make sure you're looking out for what I'm telling you guys to do because if you do follow those instructions, you will be eligible to win the weekend pass for StarCast on Fight TV. Shout out to Fight TV. I appreciate you guys. Uh, Ivan, Joel, all their staff over there. They are absolutely excellent. So with that being said, God bless everybody. Thank you guys for listening. I'm nothing without you as it pertains to this podcast. Uh, The fans are what it's all about. Thank you. I'm sure RJ would feel the same exact way. And we are going to wrap this thing up by saying he is your homie, RJ of the Ringside Rant. I'm your boy, The one and only Sean Hubbard, founder and host of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly. And this is the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. You have been listening to the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast, which is an original production of HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com. Hubbard Wrestling Weekly is an independently owned company. The opinions and ideas of its host and studio guests are theirs and theirs alone, as Hubbard Wrestling Weekly is not associated with any professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, or boxing organization. Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, the very best in professional wrestling and combat sports.